Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here today with Blake Alderman. Uh, Blake, I apologize in advance to all of our listeners if anybody can hear. Uh, my neighbor apparently decided to wake up at 7 a.m. and start hammering uh, our adjoining wall in the condo. So if you guys can hear that, I apologize. I'm going to try to mute myself uh, when I'm not talking and Blake's talking. But uh, anyway, getting into it, Florida taking on Texas A&M this week. Uh, real quick, we want to do a couple different things with the podcast going forward. So one thing that we're going to do is we're going to introduce a mailbag segment. We're going to call it the five-star mailbag. And basically what we're going to do is we're going to ask you guys, if you like the episode, go ahead and, and drop us a five-star review on Apple or wherever you're listening to the podcast and leave us a question for, for the next episode, you know, for the next week, anything you want to get answered. We're going to uh, go ahead and read through those five-star reviews each, each week. And whichever question, we'll pick one out of there. We'll go ahead and spend five minutes at the end of the show, uh, the next episode, talking about that topic. So if, if there's anything in particular that you, you want to ask, drop us a five-star review. We'll get to that. We, we want to make this kind of a, a more interactive podcast, particularly with our listeners that maybe aren't on Swamp 24-7. I know a lot of times, you know, particularly during the off-season, we'll, we'll poll our subscribers, you know, for their questions and kind of, you know, try to work the podcast around some of the, that user feedback. But we really want to do it too with, with you guys, you know, that are interacting and listening to the podcast that maybe aren't on Swamp247.com. So the five-star mailbag, we're going to start that next episode, uh, meaning Sunday or Monday, when we come back with the, the post-game wrap-up, you guys leave us a five-star review on this podcast episode, and we'll, we will be sure to pick one of those questions and spend five minutes at the end of our show talking about it. So anyway, getting into Texas A&M, Blake, um, I don't know if you've had a chance to watch much Texas A&M this year. I, I, I've seen them on and off. I had kind of the Alabama game on in the background last week. Um, but, you know, obviously Jimbo Fisher, that's going to be an interesting matchup for Florida. What are your general thoughts about where A&M is? I know they got a lot of hype in the offseason. How do you view kind of this matchup for Florida just going in? You know, I guess just early thoughts just on the game. I, I, I'm concerned about Florida's defense and Texas A&M's defense. I could think we could easily see a game where I don't know if we're going to see the shootout and where it's back and forth, back and forth, because I do think there'll be some stops here and there. I, you know, I don't, I don't know that this is going to be a uh, you know, 40, 50-point, you know, both teams, you know, the last team to score wins type of game. But I do think that both teams have some concerns on defense. I think there are some deficiencies on defense, things to work on. Um, you know, I think that this game, I could see Florida getting some more stops on defense because I think that whenever you've seen their front seven, um, they, they were a little shaky, but they did figure some things out. Zach Carter getting a little bit more pressure at that strong side defensive end spot. I know they're going to have to move him around by force. Um, I also think it's interesting because a guy like Brad Stewart is back this week and he's going to play star for Florida. So I think that there are little things that can make Florida's defense better. 
Whereas I think that the secondary for Texas A&M, I think, is a big concern for them. And when you've got an offense like Florida, you know, Kyle Pitts, you've got all these other wide receivers, tons of weapons, Kyle Trask looking very sharp in the season. I think that that's probably the biggest thing to where, um, at least early thoughts, I think that the secondary could be something for Texas A&M to be concerned about. Yeah, I mean, you look at that Alabama game, obviously, you know, the big difference in that game was that Alabama was able to get behind that secondary quite a bit, you know, really had a lot of explosive plays. And I think... I think for Florida, this is kind of one of those games where you're going to need that, you know, from the offense. You're going to need Kyle Trask to be on point. You're going to need Kyle Pitts to maybe uh, shake free a couple times, get deep. You know, um, we, we talked about it a little bit last episode. I've been a little bit disappointed with Trayvon Grimes so far. I think he just hasn't really quite had the impact that maybe we thought. And, and it really hasn't, you know, been detrimental to Florida to this point. I mean, you know, Kadarius Tony has really stepped up. Like we said, Kyle Pitts has been phenomenal. They've gotten some contributions from other guys. You know, Trent Whittemore has been pretty good. You know, we're starting to see a little bit more of Xavier Henderson. But I think you're right. I think um, this is going to come down to explosive plays by and large. And and I think that that's true on both sides. I mean, Florida's played against Jimbo Fisher eight times, and it seems like every time they play him, he, he manages to find a matchup and just kind of hammer that matchup. And I think when you look at Florida's defensive deficiencies so far, he's going to find a matchup. Like, like let's not kid ourselves. Jimbo Fisher is going to find a matchup against this defense that he's going to be able to really press and hammer. And so um, when I look at this game, I think, I think it's one, it's, it's, I think it's going to be closer to that old Miss game. That's kind of the way I see it is it, it, this is not going to be a situation where, you know, you're playing Will Muschamp in South Carolina and they kind of want to grind the clock out and take away possessions. I don't see that. I think, you know, looking at Texas A&M and, and the, the players that they have, you know, maybe not quite as good at receiver as they have been in years past. But I think when you talk about Jimbo Fisher and his ability to scheme an offense and get his players into some favorable matchups, I think he's got to be licking his chops seeing this Florida defense through the first two weeks. And I think I think that's going to make for a very, very interesting contest here on Saturday. I am also interested to see Kellen Mond. You know, he gets a lot of hype in the offseason season. I just don't know. I mean, obviously he's played Alabama and it's no easy task playing Alabama, being a quarterback, playing against that defense and just, you know, how Nick Saban is, you know, a mastermind at defense. But I, 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 he's gotten a lot of hype in the start of the season and I just don't, I haven't seen it. You know, I just haven't seen it so far. Minus, I mean, it is two games, you know, it's not really a big sample to go off of. I, I guess I'm just always have been waiting for Mon to take that, that next step to be that quarterback, you know, this, the guy that rises up in the SEC and I just haven't seen it there. So I'm, I'm, I'm a little interested to see how he bounces back at a secondary for Florida that, you know, hasn't maybe shown it in that first game against Ole Miss, but I thought that they bounced back better against South Carolina. I'm interested to see how the addition of Brad Stewart does bring a different dynamic to Florida's defense. No, I agree with you. And, and I'm kind of with you on the Mond hype and, and I'll be honest with you. I, I probably bought more into the Texas A&M hype I did too, man. in, in the offseason. I mean, just when we were talking about, you know, the pandemic and, and the teams that were going to be best suited to, kind of withstand the lack of spring practice, you know, the loss of practice time in the fall. Texas A&M was one of those teams that you circled and said, hey, man, they got a bunch of starters coming back on both sides of the football. This is a team that theoretically should be well-equipped. And, and, and I think you go back to, you know, you, you look at their first two games. I mean, they struggled with Vanderbilt, you know what I mean? And, and, and Alabama, you know, nobody's going to really fault them against Alabama. And that's, that's the thing I can't really figure out with A&M is like they struggle with Vanderbilt, but then, Yes, they lost to Alabama. They couldn't stop the explosive plays. But it, there, there were times in that game where they looked competent. They looked legitimate. And so I don't know what we're going to get out of a But, Blake, I wanted to ask you, because we, we did preseason predictions on Swamp 
and I don't exactly remember what your picks were, but for I me, know I picked Florida to win. I just don't remember like score okay. or really any. Yeah, I don't think we picked score on on yeah, our yeah, preseason yeah. predictions, but I'm I'm curious because this was actually I, I picked Florida to go nine and one with this ten game SEC schedule, and this was the game that before we saw any games play out, I picked Florida to lose. I thought this was going to be a really tough road game. Again, going back to A and M's experience, for me, I really thought this was going to be a tough game. You talk about senior quarterback, you know, Florida. I thought going into the year, they had more questions defensively. I didn't think it would look like this exactly, but I did think they were going to have questions up the middle defensively and all that. Now I'm not so sure. Like I picked Florida to lose initially, and now I'm not so sure. Um, what was your thought kind of before we saw any games play out about Texas A&M and, and how you saw this game being in week three on the road, maybe playing out? You know, I, I thought that Florida's defense would – probably be a little bit better than what I've seen. I, I, I don't know that I'm ready to hit the panic button on what they've done so far because I think there are things that you can do and you can still game plan. You can figure things out to make this defense run. And, you know, I mean, we're about to see a defense with Brad Stewart back in there. You know, I don't, is that going to change anything as far as the secondary? Kyrie Campbell, the mystery of Kyrie Campbell continues on the season. I think if they get him back, I think it frees things up a little bit better for Florida in the front seven. Um, but I guess heading into the season, I thought this was going to be a game where you could see it kind of, you know – back and forth scoring you could see some explosive plays here and there just because I didn't really expect Texas A&M to have yes they return a lot of players but I just haven't seen them really bring out this dominant defense you know this SEC type defense you know you see them they don't really stand up really well against some of those guys in the west you know they're just kind of uh I guess the middle of the pack type of you know SEC west team that's just what I've seen from them so I expected this to have some you know kind of back and forth games there um being on the road and being Florida's first true road test, I know it's not, you know, the first road game of the season. Obviously, they were on the road there against Ole Miss, but different environment, different type of team. I expected this one to be Florida's one of tough, you know, one of their tougher games, obviously, to start out the season. Um, I expected Florida to win. I predicted them to win when we did our preseason uh, predictions. But I did think this was going to be a tight game. And I did say that this could be one that I think could go either way because I do think it's going to be maybe a one touchdown, you know, maybe a touchdown and a field goal, two touchdown max. I don't think there's going to be a big separation in the score, but I did think that Florida had enough pieces. They had enough of an explosive offense and a lot of playmakers there. I expected Florida's offense to carry them through this game. Yeah, I think if Florida's going to win this game, to me, that's how it's going to have to be. I mean, I just think you're playing on the road at Texas A&M. You're playing against Jimbo Fisher, like who – I'm convinced, you know, I don't know that Jimbo Fisher is, you know, an elite coach. I really don't. I don't believe that. I think you look at his numbers and especially his, his record as a head coach, what he's done at A&M so far. Uh, sans Jameis Winston, I mean, when he doesn't have an elite, elite quarterback, the record just isn't as good. Now, having said that, one, I don't think Kellen Mond is an elite quarterback, so this is a good time to catch a Jimbo Fisher team. And two, I think – even without an elite quarterback, though, Jimbo is capable of finding those matchups. I keep going back to that. I mean, I remember um, – and, again, this is when he had Jameis Winston. But I remember – I think it was the either 2013 or 2014 game. Uh, but whenever they had Nick O'Leary, they had Marcus May matched up at nickel. And they just went after him all day long. And Florida never adjusted off it. So, I think I think Florida's going to have to be willing to adjust. You know, they, I think they're well aware – um, that Texas A&M has some pieces that they can use. And it's kind of an interesting team. You know, I, I know that, you know, going back to Nick O'Leary, Jimbo Fisher loves to use his tight end, and Texas A&M has a very good one. But they don't have a lot of receivers. So it's, I think for this game, it's going to be very much based on even Kellen Mond contained in the pocket, 
keeping these running backs from really hurting you and then finding somebody that can cover the tight end. And that, I think that's going to be the real issue is, you know, we've talked about Amari, Amari Bernie maybe struggling so far this year. I thought we talked to Amari Bernie actually this week in, in interviews and I thought he was very, very good. I mean, he just, he held himself accountable, said he wasn't happy with the way he's playing. Um, and that's all well and good. And I, and I think, again, I think the Florida defense is going to get better, but I think right now, week to week, I have a lot of questions about how Florida is going to handle this A&M team, particularly from the tight end standpoint. Um, and, and I think there's a couple of running backs. We'll get into that a little bit in the second half of the show, talking some of these key matchups and, and breaking down, you know, how this game's going to go. But Blake, I, I really do. I see this game being a shootout. I think it's going to be one of those games where Florida really cannot afford to turn it over on the road. You can't have those mistakes from Kyle Trask where he's, you know, fumbling in the pocket as he gets hit from behind or he fumbles on a, a, a zone read. You know, you can't have a route running mistake that leads to an interception like you did against South Carolina. I don't think Texas A&M is a great team, but I think they're a better team than South Carolina. I think if you give them chances like you did South Carolina, you're going to find yourself in an, in a position you don't want to be in on the road. So that's kind of how I look at this. Um, let's go ahead and take a quick break. And then when we come back, we'll, we'll pick apart some of the key matchups and we'll talk about the spread a little bit. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Welcome back to the Swamp 24-7 podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp here with Blake Alderman. Blake, uh, we spent a little bit of time, you know, in the first half of the show just talking about the generalities for Florida and Texas A&M, kind of, you know, what we expect out of a Jimbo Fisher offense, what we expect out of Florida, given their question marks on defense, you know, knowing that Florida is very good on offense. Let's get a little more particular here. I want to talk about the key matchups in this game. I, I think there's a lot of potentially interesting head-to-head matchups in this one. I want to get your take on what you view as the key matchup in this Florida-Texas A&M game. I think the biggest one for me is that Florida front seven matching up against a Russian quarterback in Kelamond. You kind of look back over the years of, I guess at least since, since Dan Mullen and Todd Grantham have been in Gainesville, they haven't really matched up great against a Russian quarterback. And I think that Mond, I think there's a lot of work to do as a passer. Um, but I think as a runner, I think he brings a big dynamic there. I, I go back to, and I know it's a different Florida team, and it's been a long time ago and a different coaching staff, but that 2017 game, I think it was, where he was a freshman and they came to Gainesville. I mean, he still wasn't a good passer. He was a lot more raw than he is now. He's come a long way since then. But just what he did with his legs, how dynamic he was with his legs there, I think that that was probably one of the biggest things. And I think that whenever you look at Florida's front seven, you look at how the defensive line 
Uh, I don't know. I, I thought that South Carolina had some capable rushes uh, last weekend. So I'm interested to see a guy like that, you know, a Kellen Mond type guy that can hurt you with his legs. I, I'm, a, I'm, I'm interested to see how they match up against Florida's front seven, because I think if Mond can start getting his legs going, I think that that's going to open up the passing game for them. And I think that that could be a bad matchup for Florida. Yeah, I think, you know, that's definitely something that Florida players have talked about this week and they've kind of circled as, you know, something they have to be aware of. And I think you look at what Matt Corral did, you know, Dan Mullen mentioned it. I think he had three or four third down conversions with his legs. That's definitely going to be a key for Florida. And I think more than anything, I think it comes down to those conversion type opportunities. I think Florida, generally speaking, has done at least an okay job on first and second down. You know, you look at even last week, you know, on third down, they did pretty good. I think they were um, 11 of 17 from a defensive standpoint. So I think South Carolina was six of 17 uh, converting on third down. So they did a decent job, but, you know, obviously that game turned into, you had a lot of fourth downs and Florida wasn't able to get off the field on fourth down. I think when you have a guy like Kellen Mond, I think, I think the key, particularly watching that Alabama game is you've got to make him uncomfortable You've got to, one, be able to pressure him in the pocket. And that's that's one of the things I kind of look at is, you know, Florida's got to do a better job putting pressure on the quarterback. I don't think they've done that very well through the first two games. And I think some of that is the fact that I think Florida's played two quarterbacks that get it out quick. I'm not sure Kellen Mond's a guy that gets it out as quick as Matt Crowell or Colin Hill, but I think he, he does have the ability to extend plays if you're not sound in the pocket. And I think that's kind of what you're hitting at is, Florida needs to contain, you know, that pass rush. And I think, you know, I'm curious if you see it the same way, but for me, when Florida has been rushing the passer with four guys, they've just left too many open lanes. No, definitely. I think that that's, it's definitely been something to watch. And I think that that has to do more with Florida having to put guys in different positions that they'd want to. I think ideally they'd like to put Zach Carter at defensive end. They'd like to have Brenton Cox at, uh, you know, that buck position type there and, and obviously have a guy with some bigger size and someone who's a little bit more productive in between the tackles and a guy like Kyrie Campbell. So I think that Florida has been putting a little bit of a bind on defense. And I think that those are really the glaring, you know, glaring things of what you see is you see, you know, lanes get opened up. You just don't see the pressure there. And I think that that's been the biggest takeaway from what I've seen from Florida's defense so far is you just don't see the attack. You just don't see what you have normally would expect to see from a Todd Grantham defense. And we talked about that a little bit on the previous episode, like how much of that is, you know, Florida maybe being conservative defensively, knowing that they're better than Ole Miss, knowing that they're better than South Carolina. Sure. I think this is a game where you're going to find out, you know, if they are still vanilla or if they are trying to blitz more and still not getting there, we're really going to find out a lot about who Florida is this week. Like this is going to be the matchup that we really start to learn about Florida. You know, I, I kind of going into the year thought that would maybe be a little bit more LSU and having seen LSU now, I'm like, eh, I don't know that that's going to tell us a whole lot. I think LSU is lost enough that it's pretty clear that they're going to struggle. But I think this game being on the road, you know, against at least a decent head coach and Jimbo Fisher, again, all those veterans for Texas A&M, I think it's going to be a challenge. Blake, going to my key matchup in this game, here's where I really think we're going to learn a lot about Florida. I think it's in the trenches on both sides of the football. You look at Texas A&M's defensive line, Dan Mullen said it, this is going to be the best defensive front they've faced. Now, having talked to some of our Texas A&M guys, I, I think it may not be the most effective defensive line. I think they really struggled against Alabama to generate pressure on the quarterback. And if they struggle to do that against Kyle Trask and company, I think Florida's okay here. And they're going to, they're going to really give Texas A&M some problems, but from a physicality standpoint, 
I think this Texas A&M defensive line is really, really going to challenge Florida in the trenches. And we've talked about it. This Florida O-line for both of us looks significantly better than we've seen, you know, for the last year. I mean, they, they really are pass blocking well. And, you know, as much as the rushing totals haven't been there, the run game's been efficient for Florida so far. This is the kind of game we're going to find out if Florida's run game is actually going to be better or if it's kind of smoke and mirrors and they just haven't run the ball a lot. And so, you know, they've been able to find lanes when they have because it's almost off balance. You know what I mean? Um, I think this Texas A&M defensive line, if, if we can continue to see Florida getting that two to three yards of push and reestablishing the line of scrimmage, I think we're going to feel way, way better about Florida's chances this fall. And, and again, this to me, in terms of lines of scrimmage on both sides of the ball, you watch that Texas A&M offensive line, they're capable of really kind of pushing you back. And when we talk about concerns in Florida's front seven, this is the first game to me that's going to be a barometer ahead of the Georgia game. Because we both watched that Georgia-Auburn game last week, and Georgia looked good. I mean, just straight up, their offensive line looked really good. They put Auburn back on its heels. We're not sold on Florida's front seven. To me, this is a game where you're going to find out a lot about who Florida is in the trenches. Yeah, I would definitely agree there. And I think that – I think that this is the game for Florida to stand up for it. And, and, you know, I just combing through A&M's roster and, you know, I I found a guy that I think is, is going to be one to watch Aniya Smith. He's a running back wide receiver type, kind of a gadget type of guy for, for A&M. I think that, you know, from what he did against uh, Alabama in that game, I'm just kind of pulling up the stats now from a rushing standpoint, 15 rushes so far, 80 yards and one touchdown. Uh, But really in the passing game, eight yards, or excuse me, eight receptions, 150 yards and two touchdowns with a long of 47. I think that with the speed he brings there, um, if you've got a guy that is, is, you know, like a Kellen Mond that can run and he has speed and he can stretch plays, I'm interested to see if they can get a guy like Smith incorporated in there because I think that speed that he can bring could be something for Florida's defense to watch also. Yeah, he's a guy that I absolutely have circled going into this game. I mean, when you watch him, he's an explosive, explosive player. I mean, extremely quick can hit it very, very quickly and, and gave Alabama some problems, especially early on in that game. And that's the thing. When you have a mobile quarterback like Kellen Mond, you know, Florida's going to be very aware of Mond. And you almost – you got to be careful of, of not wanting to keep Kellen Mond so contained that you lose sight of some of the dump-offs to, to Aeneas Smith. I mean, he's a guy that – it almost limits your ability to spy on Kellen Mond because if you're spying on Kellen Mond and Kellen Mond takes a step closer to the line of scrimmage, you, you pull that linebacker up, all of a sudden Aeneas Smith is there to, for a little dump-off, and he can turn a dump-off – from two yards into 20 yards very, very quickly. And particularly the way we've seen this Florida defense operate so far, they've been susceptible to that underneath. I mean, you look at, you know, the slot receivers that have given them trouble, Shai Smith, Elijah Moore, you know, Moore kind of did it a little bit more deep down the middle, but Shai Smith, you know, was eating them up over the middle. I mean, you, you look at some of those third and fourth down conversions that he had on simple in routes and stuff like that. Um, Aeneas Smith is a guy that not only can give it to you out of the backfield, but I think he can do some of those things, you know, wheel routes. You're going to have to be really, really aware of him. And I think, you know, going back to kind of the way Texas A&M is built this year, there's really, to me, not a whole lot of guys on the outside that concern me a whole lot. You know, uh, Jamon Osborne was a guy that, you know, before he opted out was, was really a safety blanket for Kellen Mond. He's not playing this year. So, I think that was one of your primary threats outside. And I, I just don't see a whole lot of receivers that I'm scared of when you look at this Texas A&M team. I think Nia Smith by far is, is the number one guy that I think that Texas A&M is really going to rely on. And if, 
if you you listen to the you know the Texas A&M Alabama broadcast last week, they talked about Jimbo Fisher being very open about how he wanted to get something like twenty two to twenty four touches for Aeneas Smith, and then he wanted to get another ten for the tight end Jalen Wiedermeyer. And I think those two guys clearly are going to be the guys that Florida has to watch out for. You know, when we talk about Florida's deficiencies at linebacker, the struggles with Marco Wilson so far inside at star, you know, hopefully Brad Stewart being back, you know, they can maybe get something out of him, but those are the two guys. I mean, that tight end, he's a big physical matchup, very athletic. Uh, I, I, you know, going back to the Ole Miss game, number 84, their tight end, he was really, really good. And he gave Florida some trouble over the middle. I can kind of see that going the same way in this Texas A&M game. So to me, Florida's going to have to really, really take some big strides at linebacker. They're going to have to take big strides at star, whether that's Marco Wilson or Brad Stewart. Uh, but I, I think you're dead on on Aeneas Smith. I, I think those two guys are the ones you circle. You know, Isaiah Spiller, obviously a good running back, but I think he's more there kind of between the tackles guy. Aeneas Smith's the guy that you got to circle on the outside matchups. And really, you know, it's going to be interesting to see whether Florida goes with as much zone as they have. You know, obviously against running quarterbacks, typically that's the way Todd Grantham has gone. And not having a bunch of wide receivers, I don't hate the zone so much against Texas A&M. Um, I really don't hate the concept of zone as much against this team as maybe some of those other ones with a little more skilled receivers outside. But Blake, let's let's talk about. Uh, I want to kind of get into more of like um, analysis in terms of like us picking whether or not we think Florida is going to cover the spread. So, what's the spread in this game again? Uh, six and a half, uh, favoring Florida. And what's your thoughts on that? Uh, it's, it's a tough one because I think that this game could easily be one to where it's a little bit closer than that. Um, I think that A&M has the capable pieces, but I, I think Florida can cover in this one. I think six and a half with just what I've seen from Florida explosively, um, offensively. I think that they have enough to keep, you know, kind of padding the score. And I know one thing that Mullen had mentioned during the week was getting off to a little bit of a faster start getting off to a faster start, kind of picking things up. And I think that this is the type of game where you want to do that. You're on the road. I know you're not going to have this big crowd and it's not going to be, you know, your typical, you know, college football atmosphere. But I think getting up quickly, I think, is a way that they can continue to kind of spread things up because I don't think you're going to have a game like last week to where Will Muschamp is going to try to limit, you know, possessions. He's really going to try to slow the game down. I think that that's, those are games that are better. I and mean, he's like, man, I'm not touching this game. But I think this is one that I think is a little bit more appealing. I'm going to go ahead and say Texas A&M covers. I think they cover the six and a half. And to be honest, I'm not sure that Florida wins this game. I know that I picked against them in the preseason in this one. Um, I don't want to say that my thinking on that in terms of now having seen the first two weeks is because of that pick, not married to that pick at all. But I think, and our posters are going to give me hell for this, but because I'm still guys buying it. Guys are already throwing darts at you. <laughs> I'm still drinking the Texas A&M Kool-Aid. But I just think – I think in the trenches, this matchup is going to be really intriguing. And I think if I'm wrong on this one, I think we will feel significantly better come Sunday, Monday when we do the podcast, you know, knowing that Florida is better equipped in the trenches than we thought. But I think if Florida's offense had been a little sharper in the second half last week, I wouldn't have any doubts that they win this game. I just saw a little like, – it was just enough of a crack in the armor that on the road against what I think is going to be a better team than they've seen in the first two weeks. Sure. I think there's going to be a key mistake or two. And I think – I just – I don't like the way Texas A&M's offense matches up against Florida's defense. You know, they've got a veteran offensive line. Florida struggled a little bit getting pressure as is. 
I, I really feel like Florida's undersized in the front seven. And I feel like, I feel like Texas A&M is going to really lean on Isaiah Spiller to kind of create that, that natural run game kind of between the tackles. And then I think, I think that is going to allow them to really slip out Aeneas Smith to allow Kellen Mond to pick up some third downs with his feet. I'm not necessarily sure that A&M wins, but I really do think this is going to be kind of a mid thirties game where, you know, it's, it's not necessarily a barn burner type shootout where we're just passing over the top every time. I do think Florida will hit some explosives, but I think this is going to be, um, I think it's going to be back and forth. I think it's going to be one of those games where there's not a whole lot of defensive stops. You know, we may have several seven-minute, six-minute drives, but I, I just I don't trust Florida's defense enough right now to say that they cover a touchdown spread on the road against A&M. Uh, I, don't, I don't see it. You know, I, I think if Florida wins this game, it's going to be because of Kyle Trask. It's, going to, it's really it's that simple. Kyle Trask is the best quarterback in this game. Ellen Mond, Florida can definitely make him an average quarterback. But Texas A&M does have the weapons that they don't necessarily need to rely on Kellen Mond in this game. I don't know that I feel the same about Florida's offense and Kyle Trask. I think we're going to find out. You know, if Florida's run game comes out and they're able to establish the run game, that would be fantastic. And if you can take some burden off Kyle Trask, that'd be fantastic. Again, I think Florida's been efficient in the run game, but we just have not seen enough of a sample size to know that that's legit, you know, particularly against the biggest defensive line they're going to face or that they've faced so far this year. So I, I just, I, I'm not comfortable picking Florida to cover the spread. Uh, I'll take A&M to cover the spread. I do think Florida wins, but I think this is going to be a tight game and, and it's going to come down to turnovers, Blake, for me. Yeah. And I think so too. And I think turnovers is always, that's, that's always the key for whenever you're on the road, you know, you, you get those turnovers on the road. It just seems to kind of take the air out of your balloon a little bit. So I think that, um, I think this is going to be a big test for Florida. Obviously it's their biggest test to date. Um, but I, I, I think that they have the capable pieces on offense. And I go back to, you know, something you just said was about just, you know, it's going to be whatever defense steps up and which one makes the most stops. And I think that that is a big part of it. Um, that was one of my you know reasons for picking Florida uh, in our preseason picks was that I think that Florida had enough pieces on their defense to make enough stops there. So uh, it could easily be a game, you know, six and a half, man. It's not one that I, if I was a better, I don't know that I would touch just because of just what you know from both teams, but. I think Florida has the pieces in there. So I think I'm going to, I think they can. Well, I think, I think you said it, you know, going into the season, we thought Florida's defense would be better than it is. And I think, you know, particularly in the first game, dude, they had like four key starters out basically. Sure. You know, I mean, Sean Davis, he came back last week, clearly a huge difference maker. I think, I, I think you could argue he's the best player on their defense and you, you know, you could maybe make a case for Zach Carter or Brenton Cox, but Sean Davis is an elite. I think he's the most consistent. I think he's, he's most consistent. consistently, he's and I think that up. what gives him that, you know, that tip of the cap there. He's, he's that physical presence that you need in the secondary. He's back. Jeremiah Moon, you know, I didn't think he had the best first half, but I thought he settled into the game in the second half, really kind of started to get off some blocks, started to, you know, get around some players. Another big addition from week one. Um, if you get Brad Stewart, well, we're assuming Brad Stewart's back. I, I feel relatively confident in saying that. Again, that's another big piece in the secondary where all of a sudden you have a little bit more depth, you have a little bit more experience. Tyree Campbell, again, nobody knows quite what's going on with him, but if he's back, that that would be a huge addition for Florida. Um, I, I just think you're right. We have not seen this Florida defense really fire on all cylinders. If they come out and they improve, even from just week two, I think they'll have a good shot against Texas A&M. Uh, but this will be an interesting one. Again, I come back to this is the game we're going to learn a lot about Florida. I think in the trenches – you know, this is a line of scrimmage league. We've said it for years and years and years. The SEC, you have to be able to win in the trenches. So far, 
part of the reason Florida's offense has been so good is because they've given Kyle Trask all day to throw, and they've been able to be balanced enough when they need to with the run game. We're going to find out whether that holds up against Texas A&M. So, uh, Blake, it, it'll be an interesting game. I'm really, really uh, looking forward to Sunday and Monday's podcast. Like, it, it, we're going to know we're going to have a lot to talk about after seeing this game. But anyway, guys, that's going to wrap up this episode of the podcast. I want to reiterate. We're going to introduce that new feature to the podcast, the last five minutes. We'd like to spend the last five minutes of each episode of the podcast answering feedback from you guys. So what we want you to do is if you like the podcast, go ahead and after you listen to this episode, drop a five-star review on Apple, iTunes, whatever, Spotify, whatever you're listening to. We're going to comb through all those reviews uh, before we shoot our next podcast. And we're going to pick one question. So drop a five-star review, ask a question that you want to hear us answer on the show and we'll be more than happy to spend five minutes talking about that between both Blake and I, and we'll answer that. So again, five-star mailbag, get your questions in, leave us a five-star review, and we will be back on either Sunday evening or Monday morning to break down Florida, Texas A&M. And again, I think we're going to learn a lot about really both of these programs, but really more so Florida. I think, you know, Florida is a team that can compete for championships. I don't think A&M is, but I think they're a team that can, you know, bring some legitimate answers out of championship contenders like Florida. And so it's going to be really interesting to pick through that. All right, guys, thanks for tuning in. That'll do it for this episode of the podcast. Be sure to get those reviews in, and we'll answer them next episode on the Five Star Mailbag. Thanks, guys. Time has come for drag queens to save the world. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars is back on Paramount Plus, and for the first time ever, I want you to use your talent for good for a change. <laughs> Eight iconic queens are competing for the charity of their choice. This is how you do drag. Who will slay it forward, win cash for their favorite cause, and a coveted spot in the Drag Race Hall of Fame. RuPaul's Drag Race All-Stars. New season streaming May 17th exclusively on Paramount Plus. Go to ParamountPlus.com to try it free. Terms apply.